Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products customers love. This is a little longer introduction than normal, and there's a good reason for it, so bear with me for a moment. In 2007, I sat in a small conference room with 12 other people. We were there to prepare for the new Product Development Professional Certification from PDMA, the Product Development Management Association. I wanted to learn what PDMA, the longest-running professional association for product managers and innovators, said about product management. And studying for the MPDP certification was my way to accomplish this. Seeing how they organized the many aspects of product management and made connections between them was a huge aha moment for me. It connected the work I had been doing for many years and filled in holes in my knowledge and experience. I saw my work more clearly and even more holistically. Needless to say, it had a huge impact on me. I found it so helpful that after earning the MPDP certification, I created a virtual training program to help others learn the body of knowledge as well and earn the certification. Coupled with a PhD in innovation, this is what got me started teaching product and innovation management. PDMA's body of knowledge is updated every three years now. It reflects relevant practices, tools, processes, and concepts that the best organizations use based on the most credible research and the deep knowledge of expert practitioners. It has only been in the last few years that we've had the body of knowledge represented in a single book. Previously, it was expressed as a collection of many books and numerous articles. Now, the key elements of the knowledge are published in a book titled, Product Development and Management, Body of Knowledge, A Guidebook for Training and Certification. The second edition was published this summer, and I had the pleasure of reviewing it and providing editorial feedback, and I previously helped write portions of the first edition. This is the start of an eight-part series to explore the body of knowledge. I'm publishing the series every other week with interviews on other topics in between. Each part of the series is with one of the seven authors who contributed to the second edition. Today, we are joined by Dr. Alan Anderson, past chairman of PDMA and the person who led the development of the first and second editions. He has a long career in product management, primarily in food products, and is Professor Emeritus at Macy University, New Zealand. I hope you enjoy exploring the PDMA body of knowledge and find it as helpful to your career growth as I did. Now, if you hear anything that you want to review or a simple way to share something from the discussion with a colleague, go to theeverydayinnovator.com slash 307, where you'll find the detailed summary of everything we discuss, along with a one-page action guide to help you put the information into action and improve your career. Now, to the discussion. Alan, thanks so much for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. My pleasure, Chad. So you have been a guest before, but this is a little bit different because we're kicking off a new series together, and that series is going through PDMA, that's the Product Development and Management Association, emphasizing really the innovation and management of products. They have a body of knowledge, and there is a new addition to that body of knowledge that is, um, depending when people listen to this, maybe just out or just coming out, and we are going to talk through in a eight-part series all about the different sections of that. And we're together to talk about the introduction because you were kind of responsible for the overall 
you know, this overall effort bringing this thing to life, the new edition and editing everything. And then I get to have the pleasure of talking to you again about one of the specific sections, which is strategy, as you authored that section as well. So thanks for being with us. I'm really excited about this. Great. Looking forward to it, too. I thought it would be useful to kick off if I just would share my story with the Everyday Innovators about how I came to PDMA. And I don't mean this to be self-serving at all. I think this this is informational. It's a little bit weird to start an interview with me talking instead of asking you questions, but we'll get to that point in just a moment. So at the time, I had gone back and I was working on a a PhD in, in innovation, and I was very much involved with Project Management Institute because I found their tools were helping me a lot as a software project manager leading software teams, that was really helpful, but I was running into walls, right? There there was a lack of, there were gaps in my education from PMI that I really needed to help me with product development, product management, and innovation issues. And so one day, this took me a while to figure out, I don't know why it came to me one day, I thought if there's a PMI, I wonder if there's something else out there in the world for people having the problems I'm having. And I went looking and I stumbled across PDMA And it was a bit of a stumble, right? I'm sure we both would like for it to be better known. It turns out to be the oldest organization out there uh, that's been curating this body of knowledge for product managers and innovators for, I don't know, what is it, like 45 years now or something? Yeah, 1976. 76? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a good deal of time. And it was just really powerful to me when I found PDMA, got connected to a network of other people doing product management, now had people to talk to about the headaches that we run into together, right? And uh, learn some insights from people, not just in my industry, you know, doing software work, but frankly, I learned a lot of insights from people in other industries that were really valuable. And there was a framework I came across. At that time, the body of knowledge was really kind of a collection of books and articles, right? And there was a certification called the New Product Development Professional, the MPDP. And I studied for that because I just wanted to see what was it that PDMA said that I should know as a product manager. And it was it was a really good light bulb moment for me. And it's one reason why I teach others now the same body of knowledge and help them earn the certification so they can have that light bulb moment as well. But there is now codified, codified, there's now codified, pronounce the word properly, codified into a book. And this is the second edition of that book. So that kind of is a little background, just my experience getting to PDMA and the value that I found in this body of knowledge. Now it's a lot easier to get our hands around it. Frankly, if you were in one of my training groups, when I first started training others was like 2007, we read 14 books together and a handful of articles, and it's, you can get your hands around it much easier now. Thanks, Alan, to your efforts in this. But you, you've been involved with PDMA beyond just putting together this body of knowledge book for us. You were also uh, president. This is an entirely volunteer organization. As the people should know, it's a nonprofit volunteer organization. Tell us about PDMA from your perspective. Okay. Can I, can I just tell you a little bit? You, you've given your story on how you yeah. got involved. I wasn't going to say this, but I have a, I have a somewhat interesting story. I would love to hear it. I've been in product development or product innovation all my life, from academia through service provider provision, through chief executive of companies. So I've been through the whole gamut of product innovation at different levels. And so I didn't even really know much about PDMA until around about 2007. So I'm relatively new in the whole history of PDMA. And I really got involved primarily because uh, a colleague of mine suggested we set up uh, a chapter in New Zealand of, of NEMA, which we did. 
that then led me to a, a first conference, I think, in around 2008. I've now been to every international conference in the U.S. since 2008 and been virtually in every role in PDMA from marketing through VP of international through being on the OCI, the Outstanding Corporate Innovator Award Selection Panel, and finally to, to president for three years. Funnily enough, I mean, when I first got involved in PDMA, I, I, I thought I really knew everything about product development. and I didn't really need to have a, a certification to convince people uh, that I knew what product development was about. Uh, but I decided to take the certification just like you did, primarily because I wanted to encourage my colleagues to do the same thing. The, this is almost, it could be embarrassing for some people to admit, but when I sat the exam, I didn't read the 14 books like you did. I basically just read the glossary and, and just learned the terms. Probably not surprisingly, I only managed 150 out of 200, which was exactly on the pass mark. You just made it. I was going to say, at least reading the glossary is wise because part of it is getting used to the language. Well, and that was one of the issues, Chad. And I mean, there were two things that that came to mind which actually led to this BOK finally that we've we've now got was firstly, the what I called Americanisms. Mm -hmm. A lot of the authors of 14 books were US-based. And there's certain terminology that's used in the US that isn't necessarily used globally. And so that for me was not familiar. And so that caused a lot of confusion for me. The second thing is that a number of those books or reference articles were either out of print or difficult to get hold of or quite challenging to read. And as I got more and more involved in product development, I found out that um, I was not the only one who had those problems. And, and so that really led uh, finally in around 2016 when I set up a, uh, a joint venture in China with for PDMA on certification delivery into China, their complaints about the 14 books, the fact that these are all English, they, they, needed, they needed a textbook, basically, like, like PMI that you're referring to. And so that forced me or forced us into uh, developing what was edition one of, of the BOK that we're now talking about, edition two, which is a, a unified volume of, of what was in those 14 volumes beforehand or 14 references into a, a single 350-page uh, book reference book, which I, uh, has made it a lot easier, certainly for people in other parts of the world, to take the MBDP exam. So that's some background to, for me. As, as far as product PDMA is concerned, it, it is the only truly professionally-based product innovation organization globally. It's made up of academics, practitioners, and service providers. So it has a great cross-section of people involved in all, all areas of, of product innovation. It is global, so it's, it's in around about 17 countries. For me personally, it, it's provided a, an, an amazing network of, of, of people with different experiences, different ideas, different backgrounds in, in, in product innovation. And certainly coming from my background of maybe 40-some years in product innovation before I got into PDMA, it was a real kind of light bulb moment to actually find that there were other people who knew a lot more than I did or knew different things. And so the network was, has been a wonderful um, experience for me over the years that I've been involved with PDMA. We came to it in interesting ways, right? In about the same time frame as well, mm. stumbling across this wonderful resource. And frankly, a lot of people I talk to don't know about this resource. 
I'm always glad to introduce them to PDMA. We'll get back with Alan in just a moment. I shared in the intro that discovering the PDMA knowledge areas was a big light bulb moment for me. It gave me a framework to help me understand the breadth and depth of product management, knowing when to focus on what activities and the relationships between activities, all so I could be more effective developing products that customers love. I found others had the same experience when they encountered the knowledge areas. This led me to creating the RPM experience, the Rapid Product Mastery Experience, to increase the performance of product management groups and product teams. In nine weeks, meeting virtually 75 minutes a week, product people get on the same page, learning foundational knowledge, improving collaboration, and developing a more clear customer focus. It's a transformative experience. Further, customers keep telling me what a great value the RPM experience is and that it should cost more. So I'm listening. I am raising the price 15% for 2021. If you book an RPM experience before 2021, you'll still get the lower price. Find all the details at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. Now let's hear more from Alan. What I like about it is that intersection of practitioners and academic research, which really gives us, I think, a lot of more credibility about the discipline. And one of the tools in particular, and everyone that's in the PDMA leadership that I've ever bumped into, I always tell them this to, to, in a way to encourage them to keep this going. Every few years, PDMA undertakes a study uh, called the CPAS. It's a, a performance assessment study. And frankly, I think it's one of the most valuable things that PDMA gives us. And they go out to a number of industries and they try to distinguish what are the best practitioners in, in innovation product management doing compared to the others. And what are those factors that stand out as being successful? And so I very much appreciate that. And that that information then informs the body of knowledge and helps us do a better job as practitioners as well. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think one of the real strengths of, of, of PDMA is that it is a, an independent organization. It, it, it does not make money out of its body of knowledge. Right. Um, it has no particular barrow to push in, in terms of, of service provision or that sort of thing. So it's, and it, not only the CPAS, and interestingly, the CPAS has, has not been done for a few years. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's on the drawing board for, I think, the end of this year to revisit CPAS. But I think the intention for PDMA is to have other surveys beyond CPAS that can draw in from the wider community. But I think the fact that PDMA has the Journal of Product Innovation Management, mm-hmm. uh, which is the most highly regarded product innovation journal globally. It has the Outstanding Corporate Innovator Award, which um, is given out to companies that show outstanding performance through product innovation, as well as CPASS. It has a certification program. It has conferences. It's connected globally. It has the new Knowledge Hub that was launched about the end of last year, middle of last year. All of these are opportunities to draw on this global community to bring in and add, add richness and, and currency to the to the body of knowledge beyond just the CPAS itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yeah, a, a number of really outstanding resources. And I know I don't mean to slight the other ones. I just want to do my part to help the CPAS continue forward. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, we mentioned certification in there. So you, you've had this big effort in creating the BAC in part because of certification and really being pulled by China and the interest in that market. Certainly, I know a lot about this too as I help individuals earn that certification. Why don't you start off and just tell us, from your perspective, what do you see as kind of the, the benefits or the reasons why that certification is helpful? I think 
this, this the certification, interesting, when, when I first got involved with certification, I, I saw certification and the body of knowledge provided for certification as being very much a, a starter certification for people who are beginning their career. I, I think I've become more aware recently that, that not everybody is up to the same level and, and there are still a lot of people who are fundamentally just learning about the, the practices and processes of, of of product innovation, um, and I thought everybody knew about this, but obviously they don't. Right. So uh, I, I think at the moment, what what certification does is it, it gets you on the road. It, it gets you aware that there are other ways of thinking about product innovation that maybe you hadn't thought about before. So it, always my intention, I'm not sure how you teach it, but my intention when I've been teaching the, the NPDP around the world is is basically to encourage people to get enthusiastic about product innovation and to actually read more, learn more, network more. So it's not a case of, of now I know everything, I've done certification, I can tick the box and move on. It's a case of starting that journey. And so from, a, from an individual's perspective, I, I think it gives, the, it gives the starter tools, it gives the starter framework, it gives the starter philosophy and some of the practices and processes you can use for management in companies, I guess it identifies individuals who have that those those fundamentals in place that that, that they can use within their company to enhance product innovation within in the company environment. And then I think for the organisation as a whole, I think we've seen that the companies that have certified individuals involved in product innovation that their overall uh, product innovation performance is actually better than than companies that don't have those professionals in there. So there's a whole whole level of, of, of reasons or benefits that, that accrue, I think, from, from certification. But it is a starter. It's not the end game. So I want to dive in on that. But just to recap here, so benefits for individuals, for the management of organizations, and then for the companies themselves, yeah. too. The, the starter perspective is interesting. So as I said, I came across this after I had been doing product management for about 10 years, although I did not even know there was a thing called product management, right? I would have told you I was a software project manager leading you know, project teams. And then when I discovered it, I, I was opened up to this whole, whole new realm of a body of knowledge that was so very helpful to me. And now that I've been training others in it, most people that encounter my work and want to get the certification, they typically have five to 10 years of experience, sometimes more, right? I've trained people with 20 years of experience in product management. And I have actually tried at times to pull this into careers earlier, just out of the perspective that I know if people earlier in their careers could get their hands on these, these frameworks and all these buckets of knowledge, it would help accelerate their careers and their, their value to their organization. And that's been really hard frankly, right? And so even though the way you characterized it is, you know, foundational in a sense and and exposes you to ideas you need to know, I find most people coming to it have a really good deal of experience. They're more mature in their careers. I, 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 I totally agree with you. And I think that's that's been my experience as well. And, and particularly when dealing with China over the last mm-hmm. three years, where the, the level of um, maturity of product innovation and practices in China is still at a relatively low level. That's why they want the certification is basically to develop that, that those innovation skills and, and knowledge and understanding. But in, in actually teaching or, or taking training sessions with them, it's really challenging because they have no context, no experience to call on within which to sort of relate 
these practices mm -hmm. and processes that we're, and uh, philosophies that we're talking about. Right. Um, so I, I totally agree with you. I, I, it's just that it's like anything. When you've been involved in something for a long time, everything seems relatively simple and straightforward, and it's really difficult to appreciate that for people who have not, that, that right. they, don't, they don't see it the same way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a, a good observation. I want to talk through what is in here. There, there are seven knowledge areas contained in the body of knowledge, and we'll talk through each of them. In terms of the utility, as you're talking about where this fits, I had the great pleasure of, and it since really was a great pleasure, of being able to take all the product managers at Motorola through the body of knowledge over the last year. And it was a great pleasure because I'm an electrical engineer originally, and as I was graduating from AA school, Motorola was one of the hot places to go to. And some of my friends ended up going there, and I, I went down a different path. And it was just great to come back around and help them you know, later in life here. The guy that brought me in for that, very well respected, has been on a lot of the big projects, including leading Droid and other big things that Motorola has done in the past. He has, you know, we could name the other places you can go and learn about product management, right? And he has been through all of them and, and knows, you know, has the certifications and been through all the training programs. And he looks at the MPDP because he had done training with me on that individually some years ago and now wanted to do it for a product team. And that's how we started there. And he looks at that and says, you know, I've done everything. This is the only holistic approach to product management that I'm aware of. And it covers the, the full breadth. It covers all the bases. And that's what he wanted his people to, to know. And even though you might spend most of your time in kind of maybe one or two areas, like I, I often run into when I'm training people, they'll feel a little bit disconnected, maybe say to portfolio management. It's like, I, I don't manage portfolios. But after we get through it, they always go, it is so good to know about the other pieces because it helps me know how my work fits into that bigger picture better. Yep. Couldn't agree more. And I've had those comments and that sort of feedback as well, particularly with regard to the strategy section. Why do we have strategy in there? Because most of us aren't involved in strategy in our companies, but right. you're absolutely right. But as soon as they say, well, hang on. Yeah, I'm involved in, in one aspect of the process of product development, but no one's ever told me why I'm actually doing this. It'd be really right. useful to know. Yeah, exactly. Why, where do I fit into this, 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 this big picture of the company as a whole? And so I, I, I agree with you totally, and I think that's why uh, we have these seven sections. The other interesting thing that you allude to is that we're actually using this in some university courses now, mm -hmm. and some of the feedback I've got is that, wow, this is great to have one volume. Yeah, it, it, it may not go into great depth on everything, right. but it, it covers end-to-end -end and basically gives people an appreciation of the, of the, of the overall picture of product innovation from strategy through to market delivery. And you don't get that in what well, we've, I've not seen it in the other single volume. Mm -hmm. So if you want to teach a university course, you basically got to have about five different books available for, for students to actually dip into. And that's expensive and challenging. And I think this has provided an excellent single source for, for, for people to, to get going on in this area and, and to give them that overview. Yep. Um, I think it's worked well. Um, it's worked. It's worked better than than I probably expected initially when, when we did volume one, um, because it, you know, really the feedback initially when we planned doing this was not overly positive in the sense that you know, we had those fourteen or so reference books and, and sources before, and everybody believed that you know, this was 
this was really the fabric of PDMA, and it was it was really important that we actually continued with all of these books and reference materials and journal articles and all that kind of stuff. But this has been a great success. And mm-hmm. so the seven sections. Yes, take us through those. You just right. you mentioned strategy. That happens to be the first one. It does happen to be the first one. So yeah, just very, very, very quickly. I mean, strategy obviously gives the the context, the 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 direction the overall reason for being for for the company and in turn for product innovation. So it, it, it kind of sets that sort of overall context for everything else that goes on in the book. We then get on to portfolio management. From strategy, we define the the, the set of, of, of product innovation opportunities, new products, revision to old products, brand refreshes, all those sorts of things that the company can embark on and portfolio management is basically about choosing the the right mix of projects around product innovation for the company to work on in the context of the overall company's goals its mission and, and the strategy that it's, it's developed from a business perspective we then layer down into process and we look at the processes having chosen a portfolio you have a number of different projects to work on uh, a number of different products to develop and the process that's chosen takes you through stepwise through from maybe idea, initial product idea, through to finally to product launch. And there are a variety of different processes that have been developed over a number of years. The most commonly uh, and most well-known one is the stage gate process, but there are various others that have been developed more recently, like Agile, uh, Lean, if you define it as a process, has come in there as well waterfall there's a whole range of different processes and i guess my my major sort of theme here is is, is, in this whole be okay is is don't just take the process learn the principles and choose the right process or mix of processes that are right for you right Uh, so stage gate isn't necessarily right for some products agile isn't right for every product lean isn't right for every product so it's a case of having the maturity and that's what be okay does for you it actually gives you that understanding and the ability hopefully to choose what's right for your company. We then move on to, and in, in volume two, we've we've changed the next section was called tools and metrics in volume one. We've now changed that to product design tools. And so we've, we've extended the list of tools in there, but focused very much around the, the central part of product development, the actual design of the physical product. And then we move on to another set of tools, which is market research. And so within that section, we have the market research tools and, and then move on to cultures, t- teams and leadership. And then we finish the book with uh, a new section, which is called product innovation management. Now, in the feedback from volume one uh, in China and other parts of the world was that we want to learn more about product management and what the role of product management is in product innovation. So the whole intention of, of, of the new, newly edited Chapter 7 is to provide a context for product innovation within the, the role of a product manager. So what is a product manager? What should a product manager be doing in terms of product innovation? It, it takes you through a number of the key tools that a product manager might use. So this extends the tools beyond design, market research, into the more generic tools of uh, financial management, uh, return on investment, those kinds of tools, project management, and also looks at metrics as well, performance metrics for product innovation. So 
that section, uh, which was formerly known as life cycle management or referred to as life cycle management, has now been changed to product innovation management. And it continues to have the product life cycle focus in, in terms of growth through maturity and so forth, the standard product life cycle and, and what you should do in terms of product innovation at different stages. But we've removed the sustainability component and distribute that among the other chapters. So there's a section on sustainability in chapter one and in strategy. There's reference to sustainability in the portfolio and the development of the portfolio. And there's reference to sustainability or lifecycle tools within the design tools section in chapter four. It's interesting that sustainability has become a more important issue, I think, for many people in the last decade or so. But it's more part of the conversation with product managers. And so I, I'm glad to see the connection to the strategy and it showing up in other places as well. So those seven knowledge areas take us through kind of this holistic, broad breadth of, of product management. I often, when I'm talking to people trying to describe this, I use the analogy, and I don't know, you can tell me if this is a good analogy or not for you. But I often describe it in terms of going to the all-you-can-eat food buffet, right? The smorgasbord of food. And you see out there all the options available to you. And that's very much what the Bach is for product managers and, and innovators. That you see everything available, right? You learn about the practices and processes and tools. And you might you know, find one very interesting and enticing. And if you're expecting the Bach to tell you how to put that into practice in your context, you're, you're not going to find that level of detail. But you're going to learn that this thing is available and how it relates to other aspects of your work. And then you can go deeper, right? Because the reality is this one book that's about 350 pages, you know, we could have another book for each one of these seven sections to drill down into it. And then any one of those tools that we pull out of one of those sections, someone's written the 350 page book just on that tool, right? So we're kind of peeling back the onion and this gives us, this gives us the foundation of knowing what is available to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's no way you could write a, an entire volume that had depth on, on each of the sections we've got. I mean, it would just be too large and, and, and not digestible. It is, it is the smorgasbord. It's exactly the, the buffet that you're talking about. And interestingly, when we wrote volume one, we, there was a, a lot of discussion around whether this was a, a, an academic publication or whether it was a publication for general practitioners or practitioners. My view is it's very much practitioners um, as opposed to academics. Mm-hmm. So you'll actually see in, in, in both the first and the second editions references to websites as well as reference to academic journal articles and so forth. And the reason for that is that in, in this day and age, people need to be encouraged to go and look at new thinking and, and be able to assess that thinking themselves, even if it isn't um, peer-reviewed in, in right. an academic journal. And I. And there's so much, there's such a richness of material around there now. When, when I first embarked on product development um, back in the mid-1970s, and I was teaching product development in those days, there were no, uh, zero books on product development. Hmm. There was no journal on product development. Right. Stagegate hadn't been invented by that stage, although it was being used in companies like Unilever back in, in sure. the 1960s. So, you know, we've come a long way. There's a, there's a wealth of material. And what we need to do is to, to put the buffet out there mm-hmm. and encourage people to cherry pick and, and to, to, to taste the various offerings and see what's appropriate to them. 
So listeners, here's what we're going to do. This is the start of the uh, total of eight sessions that we're going to have. We're going to have seven more sessions, each covering one knowledge area. So although it would be great for you to get your hands on the actual book, the PDMA Body of Knowledge book, you're going to get a really good introduction into specific concepts as we go through. And frankly, Alan, this is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I started this when the first one, first edition came out, and I was trying to identify people to uh, do interviews with, since this is an interview format. And I frankly just kind of lost steam on that. I, I had in my mind very specific kinds of people I wanted to find, and I could I quickly identify all seven, and so I uh, put it on the back burner. Now, the new version has an author for each section, so you made it much easier for me to find people to interview, and we will be interviewing the authors of each section. So that is coming next. Next week, you will hear the one on strategy. As everyone knows, I love innovation quotes. I find them inspiring and motivating. love talking about them. What do you have for us for an innovation quote? The one, the one I've chosen here is, is, is one that I use quite a lot, and it's, 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 I wouldn't say it's a quote, but it's kind of a definition in a way that innovation is the successful exploitation of ideas. Now, this is really important to me because when I often when I talk to people about innovation, they, they relate to innovation as mainly creativity. Mm. Whereas for me over the years, the major point of failure in, in innovation is the exploitation. It's the implementation where, where failure takes place. And so for, we, we need to recognize that, that, that innovation is not just creativity. It is this, the implementation or the exploitation or the realization of value mm-hmm. out of an idea. Yeah, we got to put it into practice. And sometimes I have these interesting discussions about the differences between creativity and invention and innovation. And sometimes those are just fun to have. But I do think of innovation as we're providing value for someone else and there has to be a value exchange in the process, usually. You know, it takes place in a marketplace. And so we're providing that innovation to for someone's benefit, and we're receiving some value in exchange for it, too. Okay, thank you for that. And that, that's your quote, I assume, right? I can attribute that to you, or did you find it somewhere? Oh, I think, I think you probably find that, that it may actually be in the in, in BOK edition two. So you might be able to attribute it to me. I didn't find it anywhere else. I can't <laughs> attribute it to Albert Einstein or, or anybody like that. Okay, very good. So we're, we're going to call this, this one Alan's, published in the book. Great. This uh, lovely conversation. Uh, really appreciate your efforts through the years with PDMA and especially bringing this body of knowledge to life. The first edition, which I was able to help with some, and now we have this second edition, the the new, better, more improved version of this. And we'll talk, have a pleasure talking through all of it with the other authors, too. How can people just get in t- contact with you if they want to find out more about the work that you've been involved in? They can contact me through, through LinkedIn or contacting PDMA through pdma.org, yep. um, and they'll direct you to, to me. I will have the links in the show notes to make that easy for everyone. Alan, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Chad. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers become product masters, getting practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create those products that customers love. To find the written notes of the discussion with Alan, just go to theeverydayinnovator.com slash 307. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit TheEverydayInnovator.com.